You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 30th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. stocks are set to wrap up their worst first half since 1970. China's economy shows signs of improvement. The January 6th committee issues a subpoena to former President Trump's White House counsel. And airlines under pressure from lawmakers as the holiday weekend approaches. Mayor Adams reacts to another deadly shooting in New York. Plus, it's a changing of the guard today at the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. And I'm Scott Seidenberg. The Yankees coming off a win. Get ready for a Houston showdown. Plus an update on Wimbledon. I'll have that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. Stock Index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And right now, S&P futures are down 48 points, Dow futures down 300, and NASDAQ futures down 188, or 1.6%. The DAX in Germany is down 2.1%. NYMEX crude oil is moving lower at $109.67 a barrel, and the 10-year Treasury up 930 seconds, yield 3.05%, and the yield on the two-year, 2.99%, the euro, 1.0430 against the dollar. Nathan. Now, Karen, the drop in futures comes as we prepare for the final trading day of the first half, and what a rough one it has been for equity investors. The S&P 500 is on course for its worst first half since 1970. The index is down almost 20% for the year. Thomas Kennedy is Chief Investment Strategist for Global Wealth Management at J.P. Morgan Securities. The market is trying to get the handoff done between worries about inflation to worries about growth. Um, these are challenges that are presented by the Fed, but really until we can do that handoff, I think it'll be very hard for risk-free assets to, to price with less volatility. 
J.P. Morgan Securities Chief Investment Strategist Thomas Kennedy says in order for investors to be more confident, they need to see inflation go down. Well, Nathan, we're seeing the selling spread overseas this morning. We have the very latest live with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. A bad end to a terrible quarter. A sea of red on traders' Bloomberg screens this morning with three hours into the European trading day and the stock 600 off 1.6%. That extends its year-to-date drop to almost 17% on the final day of the first half of the year. Every single sector lower today with car makers, banks and tech stocks getting the worst of it. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Yeah, Ewan, the story's not much better in Asia. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index has finished its fourth straight quarter in the red. That's despite positive economic data out of China. The country's factory activity expanded in June. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The official PMI rose to expansion mode with a 50.2 reading, but short of the 50.5 estimate. That said, the non-manufacturing gauge blew away estimates, coming in at 54.7, well above the forecast of 50.5. The economy is gradually recovering from COVID restrictions. Still, the recovery is fragile as President Xi sticks to his COVID zero strategy. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. Brian, thank you. Oil heading for its first monthly decline since November as OPEC ministers prepare to gather to discuss supply policy. Escalating fears over an economic slowdown have dented oil this month as interest rates rise. Checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is down to tenths percent or 21 cents at $109.57 a barrel. Brent is down about two tenths percent at $116.06. Well, despite this month's decline, Karen, the recent surge in oil has elevated inflation around the world, and Fed Chair Jay Powell says controlling prices remains his priority. Our focus is very intensely on setting policy in order to get inflation down to 2%. That's what we're working on. That's our. We understand that that's our primary focus right now. Fed Chair Jay Powell made the comments to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix in a panel discussion at the ECB Forum in Portugal. Well, Nathan, this is the final day of the NATO summit in Spain. At the gathering, allies have labeled Russia the most significant and direct threat to NATO security. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo has more from Madrid. They say NATO allies believe that Russia is seeking to reestablish sphere of influence and control through coercion, subversion, aggression and annexation. That is for Russia. Now, on top of this, there's a line on China, which is not as aggressive, is not as explicit, but it does say that China is a country that could be a challenge to future security. And Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says NATO also expressed disappointment in China for not condemning the war in Ukraine. Back in Washington, Karen, the House investigation into the attack at the U.S. Capitol is ramping up. As Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports, the January 6th committee has issued another subpoena, this time to former White House counsel Pat Cipollone. This comes after the testimony of Mark Meadows' aide Cassidy Hutchinson that Cipollone pushed back on Donald Trump's efforts to go to the Capitol. Vice Chair Liz Cheney says the committee has evidence that Mr. Cipollone repeatedly raised legal and other concerns about Trump activities. She says while the select committee appreciates Mr. Cipollone's earlier informal engagement, the committee needs to hear from him on the record, as other former White House counsels have done in other congressional investigations. In San Francisco, I'm at Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. We're heading into a busy travel weekend for the 4th of July holiday, and now the Transportation Department is under new pressure to punish airlines for flight disruptions. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet brings us the details. 
post-COVID demand and a labor shortage are straining travel schedules. U.S. air carriers have struggled to manage demand, with 3.5% of flights canceled and nearly 20% delayed during the first four months of the year. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders wants fines of up to $55,000, while Airlines for America, which represents major carriers, says its members are doing, quote, everything within their power to ensure reliable flights. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. We're also seeing travel disruptions overseas this week. London's Heathrow Airport and the Charles de Gaulle in Paris are reducing flights. Heathrow asked airlines to cut 30 flights in their schedules this morning. On concern, peak passenger numbers will exceed the level it can safely handle. And in France, the Civil Aviation Authority there has ordered a 17% reduction in flights out of Paris because firefighters are on strike. S&P futures are down 51 points. That is a drop of 1.3%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 69 degrees in Central Park, and delays are building on the George Washington Bridge. There's a broken-down tractor-trailer on the upper level. That's not good. Details coming up at traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Authorities in New York City are looking for a gunman who murdered a 20-year-old woman pushing a baby stroller last evening on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It happened on Lexington Avenue and 95th Street. The suspect is described as a male dressed in a hoodie, sweatpants, and baseball cap all in black. Mayor Eric Adams says his administration is working hard to combat gun violence, but the city needs help. We're going to find this person that's guilty of this horrific crime. We're going to find him and bring him to justice. We need the justice system to make sure this innocent person received that justice that we're asking for. Mayor Adams says the victim was shot by the suspect in the head at point-blank range. Today is the last day the U.S. Supreme Court issues opinions. The court will decide how much authority the EPA has to regulate emissions from power plants. Another opinion will impact immigration. Also today, Justice Stephen Breyer retires and will formally pass the torch to Ketanji Brown-Jackson, becoming the first black woman on the high court. New Jersey lawmakers have passed a record $50.6 billion budget, sending it to Governor Phil Murphy's desk. The budget is 9% bigger than last year's and comes after better-than-expected tax returns and bigger state coffers. The death toll from the deadliest smuggling case in U.S. history rose to 53. The victims were found Monday in the back of a sweltering truck in San Antonio. Four men faced charges. R&B star R. Kelly was sentenced to 30 years in prison. The 55-year-old singer was convicted of racketeering and sex trafficking last year. Lizette Martinez, an R. Kelly accuser, described how she finally got away. I looked in the mirror, and I didn't recognize myself, and I didn't like myself anymore. And I knew that if I didn't get out, either he was going to kill me or I was going to kill myself. Like, it got that dark. Lizette Martinez spoke to ABC. Israel's parliament voted today to dissolve itself and send the country to the polls in November for the fifth time in less than four years. Yair Lapid, Israel's foreign minister, will become the country's caretaker prime minister. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. And as we come up to 610 on Wall Street, we check Bloomberg Sports with Scott Seidenberg.
Thanks, Nathan. The Yankees using the long ball to help bail out Jameson Tyone yesterday and beat the A's 5-3. Tyone allowed three runs in the top of the first inning, but Aaron Judge quickly got two back with a homer in the bottom of the frame, and then Giancarlo Stanton put the Yankees on top with a three-run blast in the third inning. The Yankees are 25-1 and when Judge and Stanton homer in the same game, including 9-0 this season. With the win, the Bombers improved their record to 56-20, and matching the 98 team and the 2001 Mariners for the best 76-game start. The Yankees will play one game in Houston tonight before heading to Cleveland for a weekend series. Luis Severino will get the start. The Mets, meanwhile, lost a pitcher's duel to the Astros 2-0 yesterday. Justin Verlander went eight shutout innings, allowing just two hits. And Taiwan Walker matched him, going seven and a third shutout innings, allowing just four hits. Jason Castro's two-run homer off of Drew Smith in the top of the ninth was the difference. The Mets are off tonight. They host the Rangers tomorrow night. At Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic cruised in straight sets. Three-seed Casper Ruud was upset by Ugo Umber. And American John Isner defeated two-time champion Andy Murray. The second round exit, the earliest exit for Murray at the All-England Club. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, Scott, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are down 48 points, a drop of 1.3%. Dow futures down 1% or 309 points. NASDAQ futures leading the declines down 191 points for a drop of 1.6% as we get set to close the books on the worst first half for U.S. stocks since 1970. Danny Berger, Bloomberg Markets correspondent and TV anchor for Bloomberg, joins us next on This Market. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and a high near 90 today. It's going to be hot, humid tomorrow with a high near 95. Mid-80s for Saturday with occasional showers and storms. Right now, 70 degrees in Central Park. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Tape. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are signaling more losses today after central bankers issued warnings on inflation and fuel concern that aggressive policy will end in recession. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 51 points. Dow futures down 333. And NASDAQ futures down 197. It's down about 1.7%. The DAX in Germany is down 2.4%. 10-year Treasury up 930 seconds, yield 3.05%. The Yield on the two-year is at 2.99%. NYMEX crude oil down a tenth of a percent or 13 cents at $109.65 a barrel. COMEX gold down three tenths percent or $5.20 at $18.12.30 an ounce. The euro 1.0420 against the dollar. British pound 1.2127. The yen at 136.27. And Bitcoin this morning down 5.4% at $19,100. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The House Committee investigating last year's assault on the U.S. Capitol says it had subpoenaed former White House Consul Pat Cipollone to appear on July 6th for a closed-door deposition. Cipollone has emerged in recent weeks as a subject of interest by committee members who say he was at the center of a number of events related to the attack on January 6th. 
Israel's parliament has voted to dissolve itself, sending the country to the polls for the fifth time in less than four years. In baseball, the Yankees beat the A's 5-3. The Mets lost, along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It is 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we get ready to close the books on a very rough first half for equity investors, we're joined this morning by Bloomberg TV anchor and markets correspondent Danny Berger with us live from our studios in London. Danny, should we get into the superlatives about just how bad it's been if you're long stocks? Oh, man, yeah, it's it's been really bad. Not not a lot of places to take shelter. Um, worst start to the year since 1962, which I think is probably the uh, the most uh, juicy and depressing superlative. Um, and look, it's not like you could hide out in bonds either. I mean, worst we're on track for the worst year in bonds also. So, I mean, just all around, unless you're talking about commodities, um, just a, a really bad start to the year. Yeah, it certainly has been. And when you look at futures this morning as deep in the red as they are right now, you have to wonder where things go as we enter the second half with so much fear in this market mm. around inflation and the risk of a recession. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, some of the action we might be seeing today, of course, it is quarter end, uh, month end, first half end. So there certainly is some rebalancing going on. But if everyone's fleeing equities, it does kind of show you that managers are trying to get out of the stock market. So when they um, report their holdings for going into this quarter, their clients aren't saying, hey, why, why are you in stocks when they've just been absolutely pummeled? And I think that's kind of part of the problem is this question we ask of whether we've seen capitulation or not. Sentiment is certainly bad enough to suggest that we're at max bearishness. But a lot of folks out there saying we can have further to go. We haven't priced in earnings deteriorating. So that's another thing that could take equity markets down. Um, and we haven't totally priced in the prospect of a recession. So, yeah, things look bad. Um, I guess it could always be worse. Yeah. And we've heard from one veteran uh, investor who spoke to Bloomberg just this week saying he could see the S&P 500 dropping as low as 3,100. We're at a 3,800 handle right now. I mean, what's the sense out there on Wall Street, global Wall Street, as we get into the second half about where things could go from here? What kind of levels we could be seeing? I, I think it really is divided um, in terms of whether you think there will be a recession or not. Um, you know, I, I kind of come out on this of, look, the, the Fed in some ways wants wealth destructions, the, the destruction. They're not going to step in because the stock market is so bad. So recession or not, kind of a feature, not a bug of what the Fed is trying to do to get um, less spending, to have demand in line with supply are things like stocks and bonds selling off? So I think just sort of a, a feature of this inflation combating Fed, it stands to reason that stocks could sell off from here, regardless of whether we have a recession or not. Now, if we have a recession, it could sell off more deeply. Um, so, 
that's percolating on Wall Street. But I should say the part of Wall Street, the sell side analysts looking at individual companies, there's a great story out on Bloomberg this morning basically saying that they haven't changed their estimates uh, for earnings for year end for these individual stocks. And you get these ridiculous numbers expecting stocks to rally some 300 percent into year end. <laughs> so there's still some optimism there. Uh, how fa- uh, founded that is, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's interesting to bring into the conversation, Danny, because you've been hearing quite a lot from many analysts about where earnings expectations are right now, thinking that they're so high that they're going to have to come down as we get into the third quarter and the rest of this year. What kind of headwind could that pose for stocks as analysts potentially uh, bring down their expectations for how much companies are going to earn going forward? It's definitely a large one. Goldman Sachs uh, out this week saying that the expectations are unrealistic. We haven't priced in margins. I think this is the real issue because last year we talked about, yes, inflation is bad, but companies are still able to charge more. They have pricing power. We're starting to see signs of that deteriorating. Margins not as strong. Um, RH, the um, specialty furniture, furnishing company, had an earnings report out late yesterday saying that they're seeing less spending. Um, inflation is finally starting to hit the consumer. So that's a totally new prospect we have to grapple with is do these companies still have pricing power or are their margins going to get eaten away because people are struggling with high prices and they're just not going to be willing to spend as much. All right. Thanks for this, Danny. Always great having you on with us. Danny Berger, our uh, markets correspondent, Bloomberg TV anchor uh, with us this morning from our studios in London. Let's just get a market check here, getting ready for this final day of the second half. And it's a sea of red. We have S&P futures right now down 49 points, a drop of 1.3%. Dow futures are lower by 316 points. NASDAQ futures leading the declines down 188 points. That's a drop of 1.6%. Even worse losses in European uh, indexes with the DAX and the CAC in Paris, both down 2.3%. Ten-year Treasury is up 9.30 seconds, the yield 3.05%, and the yield on the two-year right now just around 3%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business, top-ranked online MBA program with a real-world foundation. Learn more at hofstra.edu slash grad. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers, simple IVKR global trader app. Deposit in your local currency and trade stocks in your U.S., Europe, and Asia. Start your free trial at IVKR.com slash global trader. Up first, U.S. futures are falling as we enter the final trading day of a rough first half. Victoria Green, chief investment officer at G-Squared Private Wealth, said the biggest economic risk now is no longer inflation. 
I think recession's a bigger risk by now because inflation is priced in now, right? We're all aware we're in a high inflationary environment. People are adjusting their budgets. But recession's what's going to turn this market over because people are starting to change their buying habits. Victoria Green at G-Squared Private Wealth said the Fed's sole focus remains inflation, even if it negatively impacts markets. Yeah, and oil's heading for its first monthly decline since November, Karen, as OPEC ministers gather to discuss supply policy. Escalating fears over an economic slowdown have dented oil this month as interest rates rise. Checking prices now, NYMEX crudes down two-tenths percent or 26 cents at $109.52 a barrel. Brent is down two-tenths percent at $116.06. Well, despite this month's decline, Nathan, the surge in oil has elevated inflation around the world. Fed Chair Jay Powell said it remains a top priority for the central bank and that Russia's war in Ukraine has made it even harder to bring oil prices down and guide the economy to a soft landing. The war in Ukraine, which has you know, added tremendously to infl- inflationary pressures around food and energy commodities and, and agricultural chemicals and industrial chemicals and things like that. So it's gotten harder. The pathways have gotten narrower. Fed Chair Jay Powell made the comments to Bloomberg's Francine Lagua in a panel discussion at the ECB Forum in Portugal. Well, today marks the final day of the NATO summit in Spain, Karen, and allies have labeled Russia the most significant and direct threat to NATO security. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo has more from Madrid. For NATO, it is back to combat mode, a reality check, as I say. And, of course, that will also mean from now on taking that 2% defense spending is going to be a big priority for Europeans in particular. They don't want to take security for granted anymore. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says Russia wasn't the sole focus. NATO says China also presents security concerns. And back in Washington, Nathan, the House investigation into the attacks at the U.S. Capitol continues. The January 6th committee has issued a subpoena to former White House counsel Pat Cipollone. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures down 55 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 633 on Wall Street. We're at 70 degrees in Central Park. We got an accident in Harrison, eastbound Route 287 and the exit 9 off-ramp. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The NYPD says a young woman was fatally shot last night while she pushed her infant daughter in a stroller on Manhattan's Upper East Side. It happened on Lexington Avenue and 95th Street. NYPD Commissioner Keechan Sewell says the suspect is described as a male dressed in a hoodie, sweatpants, and baseball cap, all in black. Our preliminary investigation revealed the 20-year-old victim was pushing an approximately three-month-old in a baby stroller on East 95th Street when an unknown person approached her and fired a single shot into her head from a very close range. Along with Commissioner Sewell, Mayor Eric Adams said during the news conference, more guns in our city means more lives lost. 3,300 guns removed off our streets that were not allowed to hurt innocent people. We're going to continue to move forward. But we do need help from Washington, from the state, from our criminal justice system. Mayor Adams says the three-month-old baby was not hurt. It's a changing of the guard at the Supreme Court as it wraps up a shocking term marked by the decision to Roe v. Wade. After 28 years, Justice Stephen Breyer will formally pass the torch to Ketanji Brown Jackson. 
She will officially become the first black woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. The death toll from one of the deadliest human smuggling operations in U.S. history climbed to 53 with about a dozen people injured in San Antonio. The migrants were found in a sweltering tractor trailer. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus says the tragedy is a true crime against humanity. I don't understand how anyone could be so callous as to allow that to happen and then run from the scene once they found out about it. Chief McManus says four men have been charged. A big drug bust in the Bronx was announced yesterday. A multi-agency strike team raided an apartment in the Mount Hope neighborhood. Law enforcement confiscated about 250 pounds of narcotics, including heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, and crystal meth, worth about $24 million. Some 4th of July fireworks shows may not go off as planned. Several cities and towns have to reschedule because there is a shortage of workers and fireworks. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Just about 6.36 on Wall Street. Time to get the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, Nathan, Giancarlo Stanton, and Aaron Judge both homering as the Bombers finished off a sweep of the A's 5-3. The Yankees 25-1 when Judge and Stanton homer in the same game, including 9-0 this season. Here was Aaron Judge. You know, we know what's ahead of us. You know, we know it's halfway through the year now and um, still a long way to go, but... You know, everyone's important. You know, there's been so many years we look back and, you know, we're getting down to the end of September and it's like we're fighting and clawing. We're half a game out, half a game up. And I think guys are starting to realize the importance of, hey, you know, even these, you know, we won the series, but this third game, it, it means a lot down the road. The Yankees will play one game in Houston tonight before heading to Cleveland for a weekend series. Luis Severino will get the start. The Mets, meanwhile, lost a pitcher's duel to the Astros 2-0 yesterday. Justin Berlander went eight shutout innings, allowing just two hits. And Taiwan Walker matched him, going seven and a third shutout innings, allowing just four hits. Jason Castro's two-run homer off of Drew Smith in the top of the ninth was the difference. The Mets are off tonight. They host the Rangers tomorrow night. At Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic cruised in straight sets. Three-seed Casper Ruud was upset by Ugo Umber. And American John Isner defeated two-time champion Andy Murray. The second round exit, the earliest exit for Murray at the All England Club. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, Scott, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market as we get ready for the uh, final day of the first half. We are joined this morning by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Kriti, i got to think investors just want to close the books. I mean, you look at the terminal this morning. What's in the green? Only one stock, Nathan, and it's interesting here. It's PepsiCo, PEP is your ticker. It's up oh. only two-tenths of 1%. So it, it, I wouldn't call it a, a massive move to the upside. <laughs> no. But given the context that you are looking at where you do have futures down over 1% and you have some of these other stocks up, down, well, down, just period, yeah. I think that's pretty significant. I will say, though, there are two stocks that are actually flat this morning, and it's Kellogg and it's Kroger. And if you actually look at the perhaps the thread between all three, it's that their food 
oil-related companies. So it kind of seems like the new defensive trade, we've talked a lot about this, has been oil. But it's also been food companies, food packaging companies, um, fertilizer companies. So perhaps there is that thread. But also keep in mind, Nathan, as you mentioned, people are closing their books. It's the last day of the quarter. It's the last day of, of the month as well. So there is going to be extremely low volume and there's going to be rebalancing flows. And the bonus on top here, the cherry on top of a, a really – not so great Sunday is that mm-hmm. we are going into the July 4th weekend here in the state. So there isn't going to be a ton of conviction to hop into positions when you have those dynamics at play. Yeah, but you got to think with a kind of loss this deep for the futures contracts, Creedy, there's more going on here than just repositioning into the third quarter, isn't there? There might be. And, you know, there there is always the fundamental narrative. I always like to go with the fund flows first just to kind of explain it a little bit from that angle. But there is a, a narrative here that just how much room do we really have? Our very own Danny Berger pointed out that uh, this is the worst start to the year going all the way back to 1962. And if you think and go back to 1962 for those of who can, who who, who can, yes, who were alive, uh, I sadly was not. Uh, But if you go back in the history books and you look at it, 1962 was such a crucial year because let me nerd out for a second, Nathan, if I can, you basically had this massive run up in what was their version of these big tech stocks called the Nifty 50. It was uh, Xerox. It was IBM. It was Disney. These high flying stocks that were lifting the entire benchmark. And then it was followed by what they called the Kennedy slide. So for nine straight months, the market just collapsed. There was no real reason that even the head of the stock exchange said it's not a liquidity problem. It's not a plumbing problem. They're just kind of repricing from those monumental gains. And the one pivot point was in October 1962, which if someone remembers from their history books, was the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I wonder how much of this also has the backdrop of those kind of Cold War-esque feelings. And I also wonder how much of the war in Ukraine is weighing on the story. Yeah. History being made in 2022. Thanks for this, Creedy. Good having you on with us. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets Correspondent. Creedy Gupta, ahead of the market open, this final day of the first half, S&P futures are down 56 points or 1.5%. Dow futures down 374. NASDAQ futures lower by 210 points. That is a drop of 1.8%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, a high close to 90 today. Sunny, hot, humid tomorrow. We'll end the week with a high near 95. Mid-80s, some storms possible as we start the weekend. Right now, 70 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are falling this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure right now. Dow futures down at 367 points. S&P's dropped 55. Well, NASDAQ futures are off by 204. The U.S. 10 yield at 3.05%. Gold is down 6. Oil is also in the red. And Bitcoin is lower by 5.5%. Japan dropped 1.5% overnight, while European markets are also under pressure, led by 2.4% losses in France. 
Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, PCE and initial jobs claims. And at 9.45, Chicago PMI. After the bell last night, RH cut its revenue forecast. Shares are down 7% in the pre-market. And regarding earnings this morning, look for Constellation Brands and Walgreens to report in the pre-market. In other news, Equinix raised to buy over at Jefferies. And wrapping things up as the first half comes to a close, the S&P 500 is set for its biggest first half decline since 1970. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen. All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Today is Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer's last day and Katanji Brown Jackson's first. She will be sworn in as the first black woman to sit on the nation's high court. Chinese leader Xi Jinping was welcomed by a crowd of people waving flags in Hong Kong today. She is there for the 25th anniversary of Britain's handover of the port city. Hong Kong has undergone two years of stricter communist control by Beijing. In baseball, the Yankees beat the A's 5-3. The Mets lost along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is time now, 649 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT is dedicated to bolstering support for female and minority students pursuing careers in high-paying STEM industries. Learn more at njit.edu. And now here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. The U.S. has agreed to pay vaccine partners Pfizer and BioNTech 32 $2 billion in a deal for more than 100 million of their messenger RNA shots against COVID-19. The deal is for doses for adults, children, and infants and may include some shots that target the Omicron variant. Deliveries are planned to begin as soon as late summer and continue into the fourth quarter. The new head of the government's road safety agency said it will intensify efforts to understand the risks posed by automated vehicle technology so we can decide what regulations may be necessary to protect drivers, passengers, and pedestrians. Stephen Cliff, who was confirmed last month as head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, said the agency is assessing crash data recently reported by automakers and tech companies. And Bitcoin is on track for its worst quarter in more than a decade, as more hawkish central banks and a string of high-profile crypto blow-ups hammer sentiment. The 58% drawdown is the biggest cryptocurrency, or in the biggest cryptocurrency, is the largest since the third quarter of 2011, when Bitcoin was still in its infancy. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 650 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include the January 6th committee issuing another subpoena, this time to former White House counsel Pat Cipollone. President Biden seeking to boost abortion patient privacy after Roe. And a history-making day at the Supreme Court as Ketanji Brown-Jackson takes her oath to succeed retiring Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court. And we've just gotten late breaking news out of Washington. The longest serving senator, Vermont Democrat Patrick Leahy, 
broke his hip in a fall last night and is going to have to have surgery. Leahy is the longest-serving sitting senator. He announced last year that he will not seek re-election this fall. Let's get more on um, some of these stories now. Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick is with us this morning. And, Jack, I want to start off with the uh, latest from the January 6th committee because it really does seem like the investigation and the hearings are ramping up in a new and significant way after the testimony we got this week from uh, former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson. Yes, well, the the latest from the committee is that they are subpoenaing Pat Cipollone, the former White House counsel under then-President Trump. Uh, He's come up a number of times in these hearings. If you've followed this, you've learned who he is, and uh, he's become a bit of a central figure because of his warnings that the uh, voter fraud claims did not have legal merit. He came up uh, warning that Trump should not go to the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, so they are seeking an interview with him on the record, uh, not testimony during a hearing, but one of the video interviews on July 6th. He had spoken to them informally, but has refused to cooperate beyond that. Uh, and now the just the number of times his name has come up and he has uh, been a, a figure establishing the lack of legal merit uh, for Trump's position throughout all of this uh, has caused the committee to try to get him to do one of the video interviews that you've, you've seen. They, they use clips of those to, to make their case. Uh, so they are subpoenaing him, and, and clearly that could uh, provide even more uh, evidence to that argument that the committee is trying to make that Trump's own lawyers were telling him that what he was doing did not have legal merit. Yeah, one interesting uh, item from Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony this week about Pat Cipollone was she says that uh, she heard Cipollone say that they could be charged with every crime imaginable based on the president wanting to go with the rally goers to the Capitol. Is this where this hearing, where this investigation is going, Jack, the idea that we could see criminal referrals coming out from the committee to the Justice Department? That's really a logical conclusion. Um, it would probably seem to be a bit more significantly focused on the broader issue of Trump going forward with these voter fraud claims and telling a number of people to gather on January 6th, knowing it could be dangerous. Uh, and, and knowing and being told by his own lawyers that the voter fraud claims did not have legal merit. Uh, but yes, the, the Hutchinson, uh, uh testimony the other day adds a, a new wrinkle as a, as a, almost an appendix to that, uh, with the issue of Trump trying to go to the Capitol himself. That has been disputed and we'll see if there actually is testimony from Secret Service agents who say that he did not try to grab the wheel or, or, or push back on some of the details? That's an issue that's come out from Tony Ornato, uh, although they haven't uh, they haven't spoken to the committee yet on the record. So we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, but yes, that's the the idea of criminal referral seems to be the focus because the committee is very focused on making the case that the president and others knew that what they were doing was illegal and that their arguments were not. Uh, rational legal arguments. Let's turn to some of the developments around abortion rights after the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe. We've gotten some new guidance from the Biden administration. What's the new move here? 
The, yeah, the latest move is that HHS issued guidance telling healthcare providers they are not required and may actually legally not be allowed to disclose information uh, related to abortion or other reproductive health care. Uh, the, the focus would be medical records and data from period tracking apps. The concern there uh, among activists is that that kind of information could be subpoenaed by state prosecutors as everybody tries to figure out the, the legal uh, issues around whether you can leave states if uh, state-level officials could try to stop you from leaving states to get an abortion. Uh, so the, uh, the issue of privacy is something that the White House uh, and the Biden administration broadly is trying to, to take some steps on there. And in our last minute here, Jack, we're going to see more history at the Supreme Court right around noon today when the term officially ends. Yes, uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson is going to be uh, sworn in as a Supreme Court justice today. Obviously significant, not only that she would be the first black woman on the court, but a very significant time following the, the recent uh, ruling on abortion rights. Uh, now, oral arguments don't start until October, so we may not hear from her in a high-profile way other than her being sworn in. Uh, there could be emergency petitions, uh, but at least in the context of a, a historic event, uh, that is today at noon and when she will be sworn in. All right. Jack Fitzpatrick, our congressional reporter at Bloomberg Government. Thanks for the update from Washington. And you can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. As we get ready for a market open that uh, is pointing to more losses, at least uh, the way the futures contracts are going this morning. We see S&P futures now down 50 points, a drop of one and a third percent. Dow futures are down 1.1 percent, now down 335 points. And Nasdaq futures lower by 188 points. That is a drop of 1.6 percent. The 10-year Treasury is up 930 seconds. The yield 3.05 percent. Yield on the two-year right now, 2.98 percent. NYMEX crude is moving lower, down a half percent, down 57 cents at $109.18 a barrel. Bitcoin, right around $19,000. Bloomberg Surveillance is next. Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz take you the rest of the way. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.